Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome, everyone, another Baseball America podcast, playoff podcast. We're, we put one out yesterday, and now we're rolling. The, the playoffs are rolling, and so are we. We thank you. We hope you enjoy this month of weekday daily podcast. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm not on Saturday morning. I'm not gathering you guys together so that, you know, we can uh, podcast. But we thank you for the uh, download. We thank you for tuning in. We want to remind you that our podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball. Offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. Well, guys, that was that was kind of crazy last night. You know, Four-hour four had... game, a lot of home runs, and uh, yeah, welcome to baseball in 2017. That first inning was insane. I mean, that first inning was... Uh, I don't know if it was everything you no I don't I mean I don't think it was everything you expected it was everything but it was it was obviously a lot of home runs it was a lot of uh, managerial decisions it was it, it was it was an intense way to start an intense month it was a really good baseball game JJ mm-hmm. like that's that's what it was it was a one game elimination game so there were high stakes but it was a good baseball game there were home runs there were guys throwing 97 miles an hour guys throwing 100 there were also some good base running plays there was great defense. It was a good baseball game. Uh, I think I, when, I think baseball Twitter overanalyzes everything and overdissects everything, no and it's like, oh, this is three true outcomes baseball. It wasn't just three true outcomes baseball. There was some of that, but there were some other things. There were there were there was only one or two stolen bases, I guess. Bucks had stolen base and came out, but there was a lot of elements of baseball. It was certainly in the trend of today's baseball, but it wasn't like the ultimate example of three true outcomes baseball. I'm I'm sorry I, I'm being reactionary to Twitter, but I thought I thought baseball Twitter went a little overboard last night on, and, and it didn't feel like a four-hour game to me until later in the game. It, the first inning took a long time, but a lot of stuff happened in the first inning as well. It wasn't a boring inning. Right. It wasn't like you know. I always go back to I watched a when I was a freshman in college. It was a UConn North Carolina football game where that was a boring, terrible, awful, no good college football game, and the first quarter took 58 minutes and nothing happened. It was just penalties and bad play. That wasn't the first inning of the Major League game. It was good play. It was a lot of stuff happened. There was a pitching change, and there was a lot of action. That's why it took so long. But uh, I thought it was good baseball. I just thought it was a really good baseball game with a lot on the line and a great Yankee Stadium crowd that made it exciting to watch. The energy was impressive, and I did think it was interesting seeing how the game you know, shifted a little bit. You talk about baseball Twitter, uh, you know, overreactionary to three true outcomes. And I think it was interesting because early there was a little bit of that. I think I pointed out that at the top, uh, I think of the first 26 batters, half was either home run, walk, or strikeout. But as the game went on, because that was only through essentially the third, second or third inning with how many guys were coming to the plate, we saw it. We saw great defense. We saw base running plays. You mentioned the stolen bases. But even just Byron Buxton beating out potential double play ball, 
Uh, we, we definitely saw some good things. Then, of course, we had Zach Granite missing first base. I feel so bad for that kid. <laughs> that I mean, was the, one of the most lo- random things Stat- ever. Staten Island, he's hometown. He's in a playoff game, his first one, and he's going to be remembered for that. I just and, feel bad for the kid. The, the thing I loved about that was is that he was trying to, like, he was trying to subtly, like, return, like, oh, I'm just heading back to the... Oh, and, mm-hmm. you know... There's not a, I mean, the thing about it is, is credit, you know, everyone kind of realized it, but that was, that, that was kind of fun from that standpoint. Like, nice play by Starlin Castro. Oh, absolutely. And just be alert. So I'm sure he hasn't seen a lot of times where that guy stepped right over first base. (laughs) He probably doesn't see that either because he's seen a lot more baseball than I have. He's on the field, but, um, he probably hasn't seen that either because that seems like an exceedingly rare play. So we had a little bit of everything. One thing that I thought, Baseball Twitter was definitely overanalyzing. I wanted to kind of scream through social media, and I chose not to wisely. I think it's never a good idea to scream through social media. Yes. Is everyone's like, oh, it's a bullpen game. It's a bullpen game. No, a bullpen game is when both starters are doing okay through five innings, and then you say, you know what? Normally we might let these guys go, but we're gonna bring in the the power arms. This is your starters got blown up early. That happens. That's not a bullpenning game. It's hey, our stars got blown up. We have to pull them because this isn't working. I, and see, let's bring in the depth. See, no, 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 that's but, a natural but progression. I, that's, I would disagree. That's baseball for no, the last no, twenty years. No, that's no, not that just twenty seventeen. I agree. That no, that was twenty seventeen. In twenty in twenty in two thousand one, there is no way. That the Yankees would have treated that. I know it's a one game. I completely disagree. But they would have. No one, there was no one game. In a one but game I'm saying playoff, if you would. But if a one game playoff, what it would have normally happened then it was it would have been who is your next best starter? You're like who is because you have another starter you can bring in, in that game. And it would have been in 2000, 1999. It would have been we're going to go to our other starter. We're going to do like the Twins did, where you say, okay, our starter we have doesn't have it tonight. So we're going to go. We've got these other starters who could go tonight, and he could give Yankees, us five innings. The Yankees really don't have another young pitcher to go to in that situation who they feel like they could go to in the middle of an inning. I would say, first of all, no one, even in 2000 or 1995, would have gone to a starter in mid-inning. You no, would bring no, in I'm a saying it would have been the next inning. In mid-inning, in mid-inning. Well, you probably wouldn't have because uh, he struck out the first two guys, Chad Green did. I love reading our Chad Green scouting report out of Louisville where it's like, Heavy sinker, not a strikeout guy, downhill angle. It's like this, this guy's figured something out, and the Yankees clearly have figured something out. So another nice development story for the Yankees. But maybe, so I think the difference would have been, instead of David Robertson coming in in the fourth inning, you would have had someone else come in. That's where your starter would have come in. But, I, I mean, I think that, again, the Twins did it in, I don't think it was out of the norm for the Twins. In When they almost pulled Santana in the middle inning, they had two guys mm-hmm. up, using it to... Mm-hmm. Come in, whose name apparently is funny to Jeff Passan, uh, who's done a lot of great reporting, but I mean, like, it's just, you know, like, I, anyway, <laughs> uh, baseball Twitter got to me last night. But when, so if they had to go in the middle of the inning, they would have gone to Alan Buzinitz. Mm-hmm. When they had a clean inning, they went to the starter. Mm-hmm. That is more traditional, but the Yankees, the, the untraditional part of it, and the reason that I tend to be more on the spectrum toward Kyle's side is the difference is the way the Yankees team is built is bullpen first. And so that is because they're built bullpen first and because they have basically six guys who could close, one of whom they decided not to use last night, that's why they could go that route. But they, if, if they felt like any of their other starters were better than David Robertson or Tommy Canley, they would have used them. But I don't think they feel like any of the other starters, oh, not in their usual routine, is better than those bullpen guys. That, that's the and difference. And that's what I'm saying. It's a subtle difference. That, it's not a radical Brian Kenny no, no. used, uh, in my I, mind, okay. it's not. And again, I think that what, what you have now is his teams have realized the way to win in the playoffs 
is to construct the team like you just said, which is we're going to have six guys. Who I, I think that's incorrect. That's the first game with six guys. The, the Indians didn't do it that way. No, they, they used they three guys, mm-hmm. and they only did it because they could, didn't have enough healthy starters. And this year, with most of the same bullpen guys back, they will not do it because their starting pitching is that good. So I, I think the Yankees are the anomaly, not the trend, because even the Royals, they had still needed starters to get them five, six innings. J.J., they had the last three innings with one, one, one. I, I think the Yankees, and, and I also think a one game you can do it, I don't think it's sustainable over the the, grand, the grind of the whole month of October, and the Indians showed us that last year. They nearly pulled it off, but in Game 7, the guys were exhausted. They were. Andrew Miller wasn't as good, and Aroldis Chapman wasn't as good three times in four days. So you can't use a relief pitcher the way the Yankees used them last night over the course of the whole month of October. I don't think that's been proven yet. And so I don't oh, think, no, no. So I think the Yankees are the when you say When you say that's been proven yet, no one's saying that you're going to use – you cannot – you could absolutely – you cannot use the way the Yankees used their bullpen last night. You cannot say that is our plan for October. If you do, you will go home. Absolutely. <coughs> However, what it is is that it is something where when you have those – you are now – again, there are more off days now. It is something where I do believe when we look back on this October before it ever starts – we're going to see it is going to be a lot of four innings, you know, two times through the lineup at max for a lot of starters, and it is going more and more. I to, agree with that. Yeah. But that's, but that's not but, what last but, night but, was. Last right, night was just failed starters like Kyle said. Right. That's my issue. I think people were trying to use, like, as a C, C thing. No, that's not what this was. Josh Tomlin pitching what? well through four, getting pulled after four and two-thirds in the World Series last year. That is, you know, bullpenning. This was not but, bullpenning. But, no, but, this was, but again, I know it was a bad up. starter, but at the same time, you having having Chagrin, one of your best relievers, come in in the first inning and then pitch get you yeah, to the but fourth. But, but again, that part, is but a part that's bullpenning. But but no, it's using your best pitchers, which is who right. these, the Twins. But that's part the of bullpen. Twins' best pitcher were Jose Barrett. Well, that's actually, what Brian that was, Kenny. That's what I'm saying. So Brian, if he'd started, I'd agree with you, but he didn't. So when a team just does that, when they just do away with the idea of a starting pitcher and routines, I, I would say the revolution's upon us. But last night they pulled Luis Severino because Luis Severino stunk. But Luis Severino, I still think, is their best pitcher. He just didn't have it last night. The, the moment was too big and, for Luis Severino. So they had, to, they had to go to plan B. But to me, bullpitting is when, you, when that's plan A. I no, don't think see, we're but there yet. Do I think the other part of it is, when you said, and like, to me, I guess we're talking about different definitions. The thing that I thought that the Yankees did really well last night, what Joe Girardi did really well, which is new, which is not something that we used to see. And I know it's a one game which makes a little different. But... Joe Girardi just basically went out there and said, okay, we're going to try to win the first. We're going to try to win the second. We will figure out, and I know he has a massive bullpen that allows him to do it, but he went with two of their best pitchers to get them to the sixth, and two two of their best relievers to get them to the sixth. And then the reality is, is what we saw, which is very smart about doing that, is, is that do it, use those guys when the game is close, because you do not know. They had a lot more leeway to use if they needed to use Batances last night, who's been shakier. They could have used him in the eighth because the great thing at that point for the Yankees is, is they had some some room. Well, that's where look the best teams, are the teams that are deep all around, deep rotations, deep bullpens, deep lineups, and the Yankees bullpen depth help them out. You see a team that falls down early, they're starting pitchers out of it. They have this offense where hey, three runs in the first inning, that's not a problem for them. 
and you have this really good group of relievers you can roll out. And I think to me that's more about the way the Yankees are built. They play to their strength. It's not about some grand scheme that's a dictum on all of Major League Baseball. It's a team that played to its strengths and did it well. That's a credit to their manager. And, and to Brian Cashman for building the bullpen. You know, yeah. To me, like they had a strong bullpen, and then he went and added to it. He doubled Robinson down on it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, during Tommy the year, Tommy Canley during the year. Robertson was the, was the hero. Green was really mm-hmm. good. Robertson, oh, Robertson was one who got yes. 10 outs. And David Robertson, to me, it is a fascinating career. I resisted the urge last time. I, I tweeted something about Kyle Snyder getting promoted to be the Rays major league pitching coach. And uh, because a lot of people follow me who are North Carolina baseball fans because I'm down here and do their games. Uh, so I added the diamond guilt part. So Chad Flack uh, retweeted it. Well, Chad Flack was North Carolina's first baseman who hit a game-winning walk-off home run off David Robertson in 2006 to get North Carolina the Cowboys series. Chad Flack, who had three chances to be drafted, was never drafted. David Robertson, who was a 17th-round pick as an eligible sophomore, uh, has had this very long career with the Yankees. I remember putting him in the handbook that first year because people liked him. I like David Robertson. I've always followed his career. It, it, he's a great example of player development has to keep continue in the major leagues, even as an older player with this addition of just the oh, much more reliance on the curveball. He was a curveball guy in college. Then he got to the Yankees, got to the big leagues, and started throwing a lot, started throwing a lot of cutters. So he became kind of like a fastball cutter and then curveball. Now he's kind of back to what he was, and I almost tweeted at Chad Flack last night, like, hey, you still think you could get uh, Robertson? Uh, maybe if he gave you the, the, the Beezer bats from 2006, <laughs> maybe you could take him off of right center field like he did back then. But uh, he was unhittable last night, and again, that's the kind of guy he was in college. He was this fireman kind of reliever. You want 10 outs, I can get you 10 outs. You want three, I'll get you three, and come back the next day. So again, which I is think, useful because he's done this before, and that's the part that's the most interesting to me. I'm I'm less interested. I'm a little, uh, it's interesting. I think it's almost a little bit of branding for Brian Kenny to have the bullpitting thing, and that's why I'm a little uh, reactionary to it. I just think we're in this period where relievers and starters are conver- there's a convergence of what's expected. I do think we're getting away from this Tony Larusaization of bullpens, which the ultimate example really was the the Royals in 2015. One inning, one inning, one inning. Every night. Well, you're going to get Kelvin Herrera, you're going to get... But Ray it wasn't Davis one. It was one. It was basically, it was smart that they did. It was, it was one, two, one, and they would rotate around which one you got two from. Well, that, that and then also, you know, I always liked, again... I actually think uh, that's fair. When I think Tony Russo, I think it's the one batter situation. All right, we're going to bring in Luther Hackman for this batter. Right. Then we're going to bring in Randy Flores for this batter. Then we're, I mean, Ugh. that was the worst. To me, guys like, you know, hey, it was the worst hey go in and take, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth. To me, that's fine. That's great. The guys that can go two-plus innings, that's awesome. More power to him. That's, Having those multi-inning guys is huge. But, right, but and I think I, we're going back to that kind of more but, of a relief pit where relief pitchers go through a lineup once, just like a, and a starter might be asked to go through it twice, and that's it. Or, and right, uh, how many how many starters well. are there in these playoffs that you really think teams are going to want to have them go through a lineup three times? I mean, I I can count them on one hand. I think. No, you can't. You can, there's three on the Nationals. I don't. I don't think. I, I think very few. I don't, especially now Scherzer with his hammy. I don't think. Well, let's they, go through. So that's their. Career. That's the only way they win, JJ. And I think that that's most of the Cubs starters as well because their bullpen's okay, but it's not shut down. But I still think that's the way the Cubs go go to the World Series or repeat as World Series champions is if Lester, Hendricks, uh, Quintana, and either Lackey or uh, uh, the injured Arietta 
if those guys go through a lineup two to three times in the case two, of I'll Lester, give you. Yeah. Lester and Quintana, I think they're going to be three. And I, I really do. As, go, not as good as the Indians' bullpen is, Kluber and Carrasco are going to be given every— if they're cruising, they're going to let them pitch. Or Bauer. I mean, I think they're going to do the same thing with Trevor Bauer. Come get the go, ball off of Trevor, from Trevor go, Bauer. Go, go through the Diamondbacks. Robbie Ray, Zach Granke, go through the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw, we'll see. I, I, I think I, the Dodgers I, is one guy. But I, the, the Red Sox are probably two. I mean, that's, that's I, my, my prediction, I could be wrong. My prediction is is that most of the pitchers you named are going to average less than 25 batters face per. You, you, you may be right, but I still think that's not what, I don't think it's one hand. I still think, to me, like Scherzer, Verlander, Keuchel, Chris Sale, we're naming at least one or two for most of the best teams. Please. Well, I'm saying, I don't think, I think that most, that those those pitchers, most of them are going to face 20, are going to top out at about 25 to 20. I think it's going to be crazy this year. I could be wrong. I think that we are seeing the Astros. The Astros approach all year, even with Keuchel, you know, and all. The was, Astros didn't have Verlander most of the year, and Keuchel was hurt. But even so, no even, one else threw. Even, no one else qualified for the ERA title for the right. But by even if twenty-five hours, if you're pitching decently well, that'll still get you through six and a third. Set. I mean, obviously, if you're perfect, that's eight innings, but eight and a third, right. it's not going to be out. But even I, you know, if you're pitching well, that's still six and a third, six and two thirds, which is still a perfectly respectable start. I think that's a fine number. I'm talking about more of the people who seem to think, oh, we're going to see these four, four and two third inning type starts. That's again, it's going to come down to depending on whether it's game two or game six is going to make a huge difference there. And also, it's just the strength of the team pitching to a team strength. I think people want to throw this enormous blanket over what every major league team is going to do, when in reality, the managers know their bullpens, know their rotations, and it's just going to be a really team by team basis. What worked for the Yankees. If the Twins went to their bullpen that right away, it would have been even worse blowout because they don't have the bullpen arms. Their best pitchers, their best options were the starters. I still, th- I, I, I'm in between you guys. I think that JJ, I think the trend is going that direction, but I don't think he gives the starting pitchers enough credit. Maybe I'm not giving the offenses enough credit. But I do think that major league teams, to sustain this, I know there are more days off, but to not burn out their relief pitchers, they still want five, six, and if they can get seven innings out of a Corey Kluber, out of a Chris Sale. But they, but no one expects even their aces to go nine anymore. Because you know, yes. so I mean, that, but but that hasn't been true for a long no, time. But don't think. But it's not. That's. Not I just think it's gradual. I don't think this is the revolution. I think this is. Oh, still I think gradual. you're right. I think you you look at it and you say right now, if you look back over the last three, four, five years, very few pitchers in the postseason are going are seeing any batter a fourth time, and they're not usually seeing every batter three times. That's that's just the norm now. But I do think the reality of it is is that. We also are at the point now, as you said, Brian Cashman wisely doubled down on adding more arms. You look at what the Astros did. Yeah, they got Verlander, but they also, what it allowed them also to do is Joe Musgrove reliever is actually a pretty useful pitcher. Joe Musgrove reliever was a failed starter. That's not revolutionary. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is is that their bullpen now is something where, again, they bulked it up. Teams... Teams now they, they, they bulked it up because their starting pitching failed. JJ, they they had they did not they they did not prioritize the bullpen the way the Yankees did. They're not in the same boat. No, they they did not want to pay the price for Justin Verlander. They had that offer in July, and the Tigers insisted, "No, you're going to give us Rogers, Cam. This is what we want." And the Astros said, "No." They tried to go the bullpen route. They faltered throughout August, and then they had to go the starting route. They had to go get an ace. So I think they actually fly. I think they're actually counter to what you, to the trend. They they wanted to go the route you're talking about, and their bullpen wasn't good enough. Even with Musgrove moved to the bullpen, so they they needed Justin Verlander. They, I don't think I think that they I think they realized 
we can't go through October and win the championship, win the World Series, just bullpenning. We're not good enough. Oh, and I don't starting, disagree with you. Our starting and our relieving. So the Yankees, I don't think, would have been in this position either if their starting pitching weren't – they didn't have Severino. So, again, the the we're not too, in my mind, the revolution is still not – we're not televising the revolution yet. What happened last night, for me, was failed starting. But the Yankees were uniquely qualified – to oh, yeah. bullpen the game, which is what Brian wanted as, them to do. As soon as it got to, as soon as it was tied at the end of the first, and it's like, okay, at this point where you look at it and you say the twin starter doesn't have it either, you knew massive advantage for the Yankees because, as you said, the twins, who, to, let's be honest, the twins who were trading away relievers, right, you know, during the season because they understandably didn't think they were going to be here. Yeah. So Trevor Hildenberger, Alan Businitz, like these are not guys that you say, yes, carry us to glory. But before we wrap up tonight. Yeah, we need to talk more yeah. about tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tonight, tonight. You know, what do y'all think? What do you think happens? I am going to go Diamondbacks. I just think that, you know, there's. The Rockies were a really good team at the end of the day. Like I talked about yesterday where I felt like the Twins, even if they could hang on as they did, the Yankees just had too much to come at them again and again and again. And again. Now, I think the Diamondbacks-Rockies is a much more equitable matchup. But at the same time, I just see that Diamondbacks lineup. And even though Goldschmidt you know, struggled in September, trying to go through multi, you know, Lamb, Goldschmidt, Pollock. Oh, by the way, J.D. Martinez. <laughs> all the way, I mean, up and down that entire lineup. The Rockies' bullpen has been shaky times. I think John Gray will do fine, but once you start getting into some of those later inning guys, eventually I do expect the Diamondbacks to pull away, even if Gray hangs with Granky for the first four or five innings. See, I don't think it's an equitable matchup at all. I don't think the Rockies have been good for a couple months. They're two-man offense. That, the crazy Blackman. thing is, is that they're, they're up, he picks it up a little bit at the end. But their lineup, but their lineup, but their lineup, it does not. That is the thing it stands bad, out. Is that the Colorado they're Rockies? The worst, in my mind, the Rockies were the worst playoff team. The, the Twins were better. The Rockies. Ooh, I would disagree there, but okay. The Rock, talent wise, I don't think it's close. The Rockies have two stars, and they have really interesting young pitching. But in terms of the lineup, one to nine, it's not close. The Twins lineup is far superior. To the Rockies, especially if they had Sano, I would love to. I'd love to see what Sano. I would love to see what Al Ray would do in that in Yankee Stadium for the whole year. Come on, I mean, like he's as big as he's a, he's a, weighs oh, as much as Judge, and he's scrunched down four inches. <laughs> so I mean, we like, both agree it's Diamondbacks. But I'm just saying, but I don't. But John Gray has to be the equalizer. So to me, the way the Rockies win is John Gray has to go old school. You know, there's a reason John Gray. Was the number one guy on our top on our BA 500 in 2013? He has a wicked slider. He throws the snot out of the fastball. He's gonna have to have like what he had a ninth, a 17 strikeout game last year in September. He's gonna have to reach back and have an old school, old baseball, uh, classic September October moment for the Rockies to win. And it's not an easy lineup for him to do it against. But I just think the the to me the Rockies were the weakest team to make the playoffs. Uh, so to and, me, and and if you're the Dodgers. You're rooting like hell for John Gray tonight because the Diamondbacks are a much tougher matchup for them. The Diamondbacks are every bit it's a 93 win team. Dude. I was gonna say oh, they are. They're a very much. They are very much. You're right. There is a distinction here. One of these is a wild card team, and that's fine. They're a playoff team, yeah. but they are a wild card team with the flaws that you would expect. And then you have this other team that, to be honest, matches up. Like you look at them and say, "No, that's 
every bit as they are every bit as good as these other teams we're talking I, about. I do think the Rockies are really a fun roster because how often do teams make the playoffs basically based off of uh, a, uh, all homegrown, just about all homegrown, mostly first and second year starting pitchers, and then you throw in that it's the Rockies doing this? It's a tremendous success story in my mind for Bill Schmidt and Damon Ionelli and uh, Jay Matthews and the scouting department and the player development staff with the Rockies. And, Those guys, I mean, this is just an un- And they flipped about. a switch because it used to be that they could not develop homegrown pitching. Correct. And they, well, no, I should say domestic homegrown right. pitching. Right, and uh, that's exactly right. So that's a great point. And B, I think, you know, uh, Jeff Breidich and Zach Wilson in the front office deserve credit. They flipped the switch and they stopped trying to gimmick things. Tracy Ringle wrote about it in our prospect handbook. He stopped trying to be gimmicky and just said, look, go pitch. Pitch to your strengths. And it's worked. It's worked for uh, Tyler, uh, I'm already blank on his name. Chatwood. Vegas kid. No, the lefty. Oh, Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson. Who, who, by the way, you know, got bumped down to the bullpen. I mean, even, I mean, he had a real nice year, but Marquez, Freeland, all, all Chatwood, Sensatella. The Herman right. Marquez was a super trade from the Rays. Again, Corey no, Dickerson. Yeah, I mean, like, Corey Dickerson's a nice player, but Herman Marquez is harder to find than Corey Dickerson. I love Corey Dickerson, but... Easier to find a corner outfielder who can hit than it is to find a starter. And Kyle Freeland, John Gray. So I I, I love this Rockies team, but it's just, it's a little bit shocking that they made the playoffs in this manner and that their lineup is so thin. I mean, I, they could have been like a 95-win team if a couple of guys had had decent offensive seasons, but they get... We're looking they, at you, Carlos Gonzalez. They get nothing in the middle of the infield offensively. Uh, mm-hmm. They get, they get the emptiest batting down. average from DJ LeMahieu in the game. They get only home runs from Trevor Story and Carlos Gonzalez, the worst free agent push that I can remember in years. It's, a, it's just Carlos gross. Gomez has a word for you because that, that's, that's the, true. The, the, good, the good news is Luke Roy stepped up after he got traded. Yes. He's he's been a nice addition. I also want to say for the Rockies, feel good for Bud Black. I mean, this is a guy who yeah. managed two big collapses with the Potters, 2007, 2010. Like it wasn't his fault. 2007, Milton Bradley went crazy, and he had to just restrain him, and then he rips his rips his knee up, and all of a sudden the Padres, you know, it's not that's his, ancient history. I mean, you know, 2010, it's not his fault that uh, Matt Latos and some of the young guys just ran out of gas there. I mean, I, I think it's a situation where he, you know, always was a class act, a good manager, limited yeah, stuff, good baseball, to, limited, limited stuff to work with. He was a key setup reliever for my 1986 retro <laughs> fantasy team, setting up Lance McCullers Senior. Um, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I have a soft spot for Bud Black, thanks to that. Yeah, you know, and he came in this year with a young staff and was able to, you know, I, I went up and, and spoke with some of the young pitchers and when the Rockies were in Philadelphia back in May, and they talked about just having him and, you know, he was really able to get through to them on how to be successful, and that's been the backbone of the team, as we talked about, that pitching staff. So Yeah, they're fun. They're they're they're, they're a fun team. I mean, I'm not saying the Diamondbacks aren't fun, but I, I have a hard time getting past the Diamondback no, I, uniforms. I mean, I just do. I mean, like, oh, I see like the Diamondbacks. They're like a travel ball team. Those are horrendous. So we picked the Diamondbacks, JJ? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the Diamondbacks. I mean, again, just not that again. And I go back to what I said last night. That means I think it's, I think this is like 60% Diamondbacks, 40% Rockies. There's very few cases where I'll ever go much beyond 65%, 35 because it's For a baseball a game. game. It's a one-game playoff, and John Gray can be really good. And so... Well, how about the format? Yeah, I mean, like, that's the other thing we haven't talked about. I mean, like, I love 
the current playoff format. We should bring Ted Cahill in here to be a uh, he, he, he hates it. He hates it. But I and I again I'd that say is the passion of a thousand white hot suns. But I don't think Teddy has that kind of passion. No, that's 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 not that's <laughs> not his mo. Yeah, but uh, his his themes, his walk up music is not REM. Talk about the passion. That will never be his but, walk up music. Again, the thing we've talked about, we talked about it on the podcast yesterday, I believe, that we just said, like, look, you're right. It is not a f- equitable way to determine, you know, one game. But the reality is, is a seven-game series does not determine who is the better team. There is, you know, some arbitrariness to it. But it comes back to, you are a wild card. And if I am, last night it was ESPN or tonight it's TBS, I want it to be a one game. I do not, the the excitement TV-wise, which this is a product, this is an right. entertainment product, the product of that one game series is vastly superior to if you say it's a best of three, one team wins the first one and they jump out to an early lead in the second game, not the same atmosphere. The way I view it, if you're going to do it this way with the two wild cards, it has to be a one game playoff. It has to be that or a... We're going back to only one wild card team. Everyone plays in the division. I don't think you can take this current format and expand it to three games. If you are, if you, if you accept, we're going to have the fifth playoff team. You have to do it this the way. The most look, the most equitable way you could do this is say there's one champion. The AL is going to play every. You know, we got to go to 32 teams, but the AL is going to play everyone in the AL balanced, and is going to play everyone in the NL balanced, and we'll have the AL champ versus NL champ, and that's it because that is the most fair way. You get 162 games, and there is consequences to it. We're never going back to that. With that being said, I don't mind it being a really good entertainment product. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get the uh, outrage. I really don't. I mean, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me that um, this, this sense of fairness and equity. It's a, it's a baseball game. This is not, you know, we're not talking about hurricane relief here. Everything doesn't have to be fair. Deserving a baseball championship. Get on the field, play the game. Everybody, everyone on both sides knew the rules. Uh, the Twins and Yankees set up their rosters for one game, and it made for a, a fun game. And I think we'll see a fun game uh, potentially as well. But I mean, really, the pressure to me for a, a fun game tonight with Colorado and Arizona goes to John Gray. But there is a little rivalry between those two organizations. They share uh, spring, a spring training. training. They're both in the kind of same general geographic vicinity. They're uh, expansion teams within five years of each other, both in that division. Uh, I expect that to get kind of 2007 NLCS, Rockies down Right. So, I mean, like, back 10, ten years, years ago, ago, there was some, there, it got heated between those two organizations. There, there, there was a slide, uh, Stephen Drew at shortstop. There was, I feel like uh, there was a controversial slide there. It's, it's, none of those remember, guys are still around, but. I just remember Tracy Ringle be writing about it, and uh, he had choice words for the then Diamondbacks uh, front office. But the Diamondbacks, that's like five Diamondbacks front offices <laughs> ago. So, yeah. uh, the right, and, and so they are contrasting owners as well because of the stability you've seen in Colorado and that you don't see in, uh, in Arizona. So should be a fun game, but I mean, I think it's got a lot to live up to to be as good as last night's game because there's just something different about beating the boogie down and uh, Aaron Judge and uh, Byron Buxton. There's no Byron Buxton on either of these two teams. So uh, let's hope that uh, either Goldschmidt or J.D. Martinez does something I, uh, ex- exceptional. I, I, I JD, think we can see some bombs. J.J. I mean, loves J.D. I, I do. I do. I do. I, I do think we need to wrap this up. We've gone 30 minutes. We're gonna, if we do this every day, we're going to be uh, – but it was par fun. Par for the course. It was fun. It was par for the course. We do want to thank you for listening. We do want to thank you for the download. Thank you for subscribing, whether it's iTunes or your favorite uh, podcast catcher. And today's podcast was sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, to receive free shipping on your order. 
Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. For John, for Kyle, I'm JJ. We thank you. We will talk to you again tomorrow. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.